Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors to hear about what they are learning, what they are teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, welcome to the Behind the Sermon podcast. It's Pastor Andrew joined by Pastor Jeremy, and we are on our way to Vermont for the Revive Conference. And so that's where all of the teenagers from across the district are joined together for a couple of nights of worship, prayer, preaching, all that great stuff. So I apologize for the fact that we are driving. So you might hear background noise. My son is also in the back of the car. So (laughs) yeah, if he wakes up at any point, you might hear him screaming. So just a warning ahead of time as we continue our drive. Yeah, we wanted to make sure, you know, we want to make sure we're doing things consistent. So we thought it's, you know, it's better for even a car ride podcast because again, like Easter was such a big deal. I think we've, we know a lot of testimonies from it and we don't want to just because we have an event be like, Oh, well let's just skip. Let's just skip a week. Like this is too good of a week to talk about, to skip it. So yeah, just, just ignore all the rumble or pretend you're in the car with us. And if I know our personalities, if we miss this week, We'll never do the podcast again. Yeah. It'll take one week of us failing to do it for it to be ruined. And what's the point? <laughs> this whole podcast is a waste. <laughs> yeah, that's how we'll feel. So we just we just obviously celebrated Easter. Um, it's Tuesday for us now, so that was two days ago. And uh, it was a great service. Highest attended ever in Restoration Church's history. Yep. We had 702 people, I believe. Yep. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, So 702 people attending, um, amazing stories from all our locations. And um, this is always a tough sermon to preach because every Easter you have to speak about the resurrection. Like there's just not a choice. You can't not speak about it. And so how long has Pastor Nate been lead pastor for 11 years years now? 11 11 years. So he's had to do 11 Easter Sunday services always speaking about the resurrection and finding a way to do it that's interesting and compelling and continues to make you want to uh, know more about who Jesus is, especially if you're a new guest. So what I like too, though, is so like I've been at the church since he's been lead pastor. I've heard all 11 Easter's and like Pastor Nate puts so much care into not only is it going to be relevant and educational for the new people coming in but it is a different message it really is like a different um a different spin on it you learn something new about easter every year you attend and so even though we you know we have to preach on the resurrection because that's like the whole point you still like if you if you stick long term it's not like a you know like the celebrity speakers we go to a lot of conferences and like You'll hear one speaker at one conference, then they'll show up to the next conference. If it's about the same thing, you just hear the same message again. Yeah. And I think, like, I feel like you could have the fear of doing that for Easter and Christmas. You just yeah. preach the same message every... So it's good for the guests, but it's not good for the people sticking around. Yeah. But Easter, I mean, with the way Pastor Nate does it, it, it has been good every single 11 years. Something different, a different aspect, a different way to think about it. I think he did a great job this this year too, the same way. Yeah, he really so this year he dialed into the idea of the glow up was his big um, yeah. his big thing. There's a cop about to pass me on the right, <laughs> so I feel a little weird talking into a cell phone as we go. I was really I was really hopeful <laughs> that we'd actually be like, pause the sermon, we're getting pulled over. 
Um, but we did the idea of a glow up And so Pastor Nate was really talking about And one of the things that he hit on That was an interesting topic uh, That we can dive into a little bit Is he talks about the radical transformation Of Jesus post-resurrection To the point that his closest followers Didn't really recognize him And so I'm going to ask like A kind of broad question to you Jeremy Like, What do you do with that passage of scripture Because I have had to contemplate And think about that a lot Like how did his friends not recognize him? And so I've had to wrestle through that and think about it. And I don't know if you have any thoughts off the top of your head. I don't get, I don't get too deep too often <laughs> without having a reason to, all right? That's just real talk. Um, so I have not struggled. So part of the thing that I always think through is... Um, it's just working through like, okay, so if God can harden hearts so that people stay making the wrong decisions they're going to make, they're like, they keep sinning, right? We see in the Old Testament, they, they harden hearts. So it's like, all right, I'm going to hand you off to your sin because you won't give it up. I just always pictured a similar like, all right, because Jesus is going to kind of ask questions and make sure they still have some hope and make sure they know how to do it, they are going to, you know, almost like, I don't know, harden their eyes, like make it a little, like they didn't recognize. Um, that's always kind of how I worked through it. Like, all right, so Jesus didn't want them to recognize him because he wanted to talk about it. And ultimately, whatever God wants to happen, like he's going to make happen. So it was important to the story. That's my only guess. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't have a full answer on this, but one of the things that I think I think through is for me, it's a moment of, um, of almost like reassurance at the, the eyewitness accounts of the gospels. So one of the things that's really interesting is a lot of the gospels are full of references to other portions of scripture. Yeah. So you see that constantly. Uh, so he'll be called a Galilean. Um, that's a reference. Or it would said that he was born in, in um, Bethlehem and, and things like that. There's all these references. Kind of when you get post-resurrection, a lot of those disappear. And what that is, is the gospel writers are wrestling with the beast of Jesus's resurrection and don't know what to do with it. It is so unexpectedly insane that they don't know what to do. Because there's other scriptures that you can point to in the Old Testament about his possible resurrection, him coming back, and those things. But they don't really talk about them almost at all yeah. because they don't know what to do. It's this beast of who, how do we deal with this? And almost even, for them, inability to believe what they're actually seeing. Like, and so this is where it's like, you know, when you get metaphysical, it's, it's this like not being able to trust your own eyes. Like they're looking at him, like it's Mary and she's walking to the tomb. Like she's got to recognize him. She spent years with him, but she's looking and there's just this inability to comprehend the fullness of God's miracle. And yeah. so I think it's a little bit of that, which kind of ties into one of the points that Nate's talking about yep. is you don't recognize the opportunity right in front of you, which is like, we are all, we're all guilty and guilty of that to an extent. Like we can't, like when we see the fullness of God's plan, we don't recognize it immediately. Yeah. And so I think this is like a microcosm of that. Like 
the full plan's finally revealed. They finally have can see it, but they can't even comprehend it, and they can't even they can't even see it until God lets the miraculous happen. And so it's like, even for us personally, like you can intellectually understand what the Bible is saying, but until the Holy Spirit works in you, you can't comprehend what the Bible is saying, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. One of the other things I think is is kind of cool about just how all these details that they're putting into his resurrection, you know, I was doing... I'm doing credentialing classes right now and going through, like, one of the things that proves that we can trust the Bible are a lot of the things that are put in there. If you were trying to write a book that's a lie, yeah, they have really stupid things in there that would discredit the book, right? So having in the culture to have a woman be the one who found him, yeah. but then even more saying the people who who were with him for that long didn't recognize him. Yeah. People could say, well, maybe that wasn't Jesus and he never was resurrected. Yeah. And still the writers put it because that's what happened. So they they're writing what happened and not, you know, cuz sometimes I feel like when when they reference Old Testament scripture, it can feel a little it can feel a little fabricated because yeah. it's like, oh, of course it happened to the prophecy because you just followed the script of the prophecy. And so now at the end, when they're, at, when they're kind of putting in these things that are just like, and we had no idea it was him, it adds like, well, that wouldn't make it more credible. Yeah. It makes it almost a little weaker, but because it's what really happened, yeah. it's what they wrote. And it almost adds to its its credibility and its trustworthiness because they're not afraid to put in what really happened, yeah. you know, and I, I just like, you know, kind of like that, that thought process of, of working through that. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I, I think you're on to like a really good point. Cause I remember I was talking with one of my cousins and we were kind of talking about the, the gospels. And so I was bringing up some of these points. I was like, if this was a lie, these are really bad liars because they do all these things that you wouldn't do if you're trying to fabricate a story. So, you know, like you said, a woman can't even testify in court in this culture. Right. Like she can't be a witness in court. And your first witness, which is what they refer to her as, is a woman. Like right. that that's not that's not a good thing. The way the disciples talk about themselves is not what yeah. somebody's lying is going to do. Yeah. Peter is described as an absolute coward. Like, and then even like, even after they've hung out with Jesus and he's been resurrected, like he goes, he ascends to heaven and they go hide in the upper room because they're still scared. Yeah. Like these are not things you say when you're lying. You all, you know, you, you try and make yourself look good. Right. You know, you try and you try and do that and, and those things. And and my cousin, like, it was just this this circular argument we got into. He's like, Well maybe they were so smart that they knew people would doubt them and so they wrote in these and it was just like, dude, like there's gotta be some level of like understand and so he would just and so it just got more and more circular of him just like thinking that you could you know kind of be like, Well, they were just so smart, that's why they fabricated it. This way I was like, No, that's that's a dumb way to do it and like helping understand. And that's, that's really, I think this is what's so important about Easter Sunday is this is where our faith begins and ends. And we build our credibility on the resurrection. Everything else is like almost secondary, 
because you know you can get into the if there's historical inaccuracies or things like that ultimately like some of the old testament stuff or things like that like oh well you know we don't have evidence of this king existing all right if jesus rose from the dead that doesn't really matter (laughs) you know right yeah like at the center of it like if jesus rose from the dead nothing else matters like if the guy says he's gonna rise from the dead and pulls it off you want to listen to what that guy says and so, you know, I think that's at, that's at the heart of the opportunity. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's really good. And so, yeah. So that was one of the things that we went through. His other, his other points that he had that he really hit on was you don't recognize who is speaking to you. Mm. Um, and I think this happens a lot. Um, so maybe, I don't know, do you have experiences where people talk about how they're spiritual, but they're not necessarily a Christian? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I've, I heard that a, a lot. Um, one thing that happened at Easter is it's not quite to that, but yeah. so we can hop back at it. But one thing that happened at Easter that was really cool is um, we had, you know, he described, I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, when he was talking through, you don't recognize who's speaking to you. He's like, Pastor Nate starts describing what it feels like to hear the Holy Spirit when you have no idea what the Holy Spirit is. Yeah. And he starts talking through teaching that. Before he had ever gotten to that point, someone who had never been to church before had to leave during worship and go out into the lobby and actually talk to one of our volunteers. And she was like, I can't stop crying. I don't know why I can't stop crying. I came here for an egg hunt. I didn't come here. She literally said, I didn't come here for this. I came here for an egg hunt and I don't know what's happening. And she, you know, she was, wasn't a Christian. She's just been like feeling a pull to Christianity. And, and then she goes back into the room to listen to the message. And Pastor Nate, who's been on stage the whole time, did not know this happened, preached in the sermon. Maybe right now you're crying and you don't know why. Yeah. You think you didn't sign up for this. And he's like, he literally talks to, you know, the Holy Spirit just kind of setting those thoughts in her. And like, so that was what we were able to witness at Easter Sunday was the Holy Spirit speaking to someone, God speaking to someone for the first time. And they literally having no idea what it was and almost the panic attack initially, but not enough of a panic, panic attack to make her leave. Yeah. Cause I always feel like that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's like (laughs) pushes you to out of your comfort, but not enough to scare you away. Yeah. And, um, and I just thought that was really cool when he's te- when he's speaking through that, and like we're still seeing that even now, like yeah. people hearing from the spirit, people having no idea what that even means, and having this reaction. And I, I mean, there was no point in the service where we would have set that up, yeah. where we would have worked through like to make a moment happen. Um, I don't think there was any anything that we did to like you know, oh man, I hope people start crying here. Yeah. You know, I just, I loved that. And so when he spoke about that point, I was like, man, we already have a testimony about this point. Yeah. Which is like, that's like a really close parallel to the woman at the well where Jesus meets her and she's like, and he's like talking to her and he's like, oh, if you knew what I had, you would ask me for a drink. Like she doesn't recognize who she's talking to. And she's like, oh, well, if you got something for me, tell me about it. Ha ha ha. And then he goes on to be like, oh, I know that you've been married this many times. You're living with a man. And, and all of a sudden knows everything about her life. Yeah. And in that moment, it's like, oh my gosh, 
this is so crazy. And so, uh, and so, yeah, so it's just this moment of, um, of, of just mind blowing understanding of, of who Jesus is in that, in that second. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think what that's passing Travis. Oh, Hey, (laughs) roll down the window, add him to the podcast. Um, I think we skipped one point. I just wanted to scroll, scroll up and look through because I did like, um, just, uh, don't recognize the miracle that's happening. Um, and just, just talking through that when he was talking through like, you're in church today, think about, you know, that, that miracle that's happening is thinking through like the people that they didn't recognize him. They didn't work through it. They, I feel like a lot of them were in a point of like, well, here's the end of the story. It's over. We're not seeing him. And it was like, even having him back, it's like, they still couldn't realize you know, even to your point, like they still hid after he ascended. Like they couldn't, they couldn't comprehend the miracle that's happening. Um, and I just, I don't know, just, I hope even just talking through it and working through it, you know, we do like the testimony Tuesdays. I really hope that we can stay in a culture in our church where we are trying to recognize miracles. That's just a small, you know, that's not really a good talking point, but I just didn't want to skip over the idea of like, you can miss miracles. Oh yeah. You know? All the time. All the time. Yeah. I think it's really easy or to, um, underplay the miracle. You know, you yeah. just, you can kind of like experience it and then, you know, you minimize it as time goes on. Like, yeah. Oh, was it really that big a deal and all of that stuff? So, um, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely true. What are ways, so just thinking through, like, what are ways that people, like, what are ways that you can try and help recognize miracles as they're happening? Um, I'm just trying to think through, like, one of the things that I always talk through is we have, like, um, (laughs) we have, uh, you know, we believe in baptism of the Holy Spirit. And something that I always like to talk through with people who they always like to say things like when you don't acknowledge something as a miracle and just think like maybe it's a cool thing that's happening you can downplay it enough that in a a week later it it never really was Mm -hmm. so one thing i always think through is like i like to state things quickly and confidently as a miracle so you can't back out first time that i felt like i was filled with the holy spirit i texted my friend sam and just so i couldn't back out you know, right, we we were meeting at the gym all the time, and I was just like, "Hey, I think I was just filled with the Holy Spirit." So then at the gym the next day, I couldn't be like, "Oh yeah, never mind." <laughs> like, you know, and and trying to let people own the miracles they have, like whatever. You you get healed, but it was partially healed. It wasn't the whole healing. Like whatever. No, no, you should still own it and work through it because that adds to you know adds to everything. But. Uh, anyway, yeah, I just think that's an important part. And then his last point that he had: don't you don't realize the message you carry. And I think that your point that you even brought up, like, okay, well, if this is true, does anything in the past matter? Yeah. If Jesus was raised from the dead, and I always think through, like, okay, so you're not you're not a professional um, apologetic person like you you're not you're not good at defending your faith because you don't have all the history but the power 
of your story, I feel like, is something that's so often overlooked. Yeah. You know, you don't realize that your testimony carries more weight than any argument you could work through with someone because yeah. you're like, you know, they're like, God isn't real. I'll be like, I was healed. Yeah. I was healed. That really happened. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't. Well, it's your word against mine, and I saw it happen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the idea of, like, not understanding the power within your testimony I think is a is a huge deal. Um, I didn't know if you had anything on that, but yeah. Um, C.S. Lewis says this quote, and it changed a lot of my perspective. He says, "A man cannot be moderately interested in God." Mm. And what he talks about is he says, "Either Christ is real and He raised from the dead, and everything is different. Like if you believe that, everything is different because this is insane." to think through the fact that this man raised from the dead and what could that mean? Well, it means that you'd better listen to him. You'd better follow his teachings. You'd better align your whole life to understanding that. If he didn't raise from the dead, then nothing changes. So how can you be lukewarm? How can you be moderately interested if you understand the implications and the ramifications of what it is he's done? And so that's kind of like that idea of like, you don't understand the message because apathetic Christian culture should be, shouldn't exist because if he really rose from the dead, think about that. What does that mean? And so that idea as you, as you, as you pursue and figure out what it means to be a Christian, like it changes everything. It changes, it changes every morning you wake up. The fact that a man rose from the dead should change your entire day. Shouldn't change everything. And so that kind of that idea of the power of the message that you're carrying. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Well, this uh, this car ride edition, I think, uh, will be a shorter episode because uh, it is um, definitely harder to focus in the car. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and probably harder to listen to. <laughs> so if you've made it through this, thank you for listening. But um, I think one, th- one thing I just wanted to, like... I don't know, ce- celebrate a little bit with Easter. We, we did a big, like, trying to, trying to help you guys, our church, like, understand how easy it is to invite people, how important it is to invite. And I'm not sure how it looked for you, Andrew, and, and Milton, but one thing I loved about this Easter was it felt like all of... We had a ton of guests, and it felt like all the guests were already connected to someone coming in. And, you know, we went through a... a, a period of time, I think with the fear of COVID and everything, where our biggest inviter was Google. Yeah. People just Googling a church. You know, they moved to the area, they Googled the church. And I feel like that was like the complete opposite this Easter. Every single connection got ahead had a name written down for who invited them. And I just think it was really cool. And I'm hoping that it really does kickstart a new season for us. So I just, you know, just kind of take a minute to celebrate you guys and the fact that like you know again the the numbers are important for numbers sake just that we have the biggest attendance the number is important to me because each one of those cards that represent those numbers were invited by someone that means you people were spreading the gospel people were sharing jesus and bringing them to church and that just like the whole morning was just really cool to see So that was just kind of the last thing to like really celebrate and work through that. That's 702 people that came to church this Easter, which is crazy to think about. Like that was all 
because our church was loving, caring, and, and like sharing the message with their friends and with their families. And it also made it so easy to take care of the new guests because they were getting shown around. They were getting introduced to people. And yeah. It wasn't people just standing awkwardly in the entryway. They were they were getting brought around and introduced. And I just I loved seeing that. But yeah, top top Easter's I think we've we've ever had as a as a church as an invite culture. So yep. that was awesome. Hundred percent. Yeah, it was great. So thanks for joining us for the terrible audio that was this podcast. <laughs> Bye guys.